And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. This is a rock and roll museum. You guys don't belong in here. <laughs> Undesirable nature on the stage. I'll tell you all about it. Welcome to Long Play, a podcast where nerds rock out with their Spock out. Hello, and welcome to episode two of Long Play. Uh, uh, podcast where nerds talk about rock music which um yeah that's what we do and uh, i'm not alone here i am with mr bob fisher hello and we are going to be well actually before we before i say what we're going to do I'll, I'll just give a quick sort of idea of what the show is we pick a pick a rock album and we're going to go through it track by track easy as that and this one, the one we've uh, picked today, is Devo. Are we not men? We are Devo. We are their Devo. first album. An interesting choice. Well, I thought, you know, uh, I've been thinking about Devo a lot. Well, I've had them on my iPod almost constantly for the last two years. So they're always popping up whenever I put my iPod on uh, random. And mm-hmm. this, this album is one of the albums I have on there. And recently, uh, Bob Casal or Casali recent, recently passed right. away. So that also brought them to my mind a lot. Yeah, I've got them on my iPod, too. Uh, I've got, uh, well, all of the Devo. I don't have all of the songs until we decided to do this. Then I put this entire album on the iPod. But, uh, yeah, Devo's always part of my regular shuffle um, you know, uh, when you're just playing it on shuffle or random mix. Devo songs always pop up. Um, I've got a pretty heavy, um, well, other than Beatles, I have a lot of new wave, quote, new wave stuff on my iPod from those days. And I've only got an 8 gig nano, so Ah. uh, I I have to be very choosy about what actually makes it to the iPod. But uh, Devo is almost always, even if it's just Satisfaction or, um, you know, Going Under or one of their later songs. So... Yeah, their, their, their last album, they put out an album the last time they toured, and I've had that one on. That one's really good, too. It's, uh... Yeah. Yeah, it's, re- it's really fun. Is that a live album? Form. No, it was all original songs. Because mm. I don't think they ever did a live, an official live album, and I think that's surprising, because their live show was absolutely intense. It was oh an God. amazing amazing well you see i I never saw them in the day i just saw them Mm. a couple a few years ago Mm. but let me tell you they're still 
tight as hell. They were well. I, I saw a video. I, I've seen YouTube videos <clears throat> of their more recent, you know, in the last five years or so concerts, and they still have it. I mean, they're still really tight, like you say. This is anybody who thinks this was just some sort of a, you know, a studio commercial electronics band or something, totally misses the point. Mm -hmm. This was a really tight guitar rock and roll band. And it's funny because was it in um, the Frank Zappa song? I think it was um, Tinseltown Rebellion. Yes. And it it, it might have been in a live version of it on one of his uh, maybe you can't do that on stage anymore or something. But they they went he went right out of his way to sort of pick on Devo <laughs> in it as as you know being very mechanical and and sort of playing down from you know playing down your skills into something really just simple and stupid which mm. i thought was a very unfair <laughs> sizing up of devo well so do i in in hindsight now but when this album that we're talking about tonight q are we not men we are devo um was not critically acclaimed when it first came out a lot of the uh, critics said the same thing about it that it was void of emotion that it was sterile, it was cold. Um, I think when I listen to it now, I think, well, they just weren't paying attention. They just weren't listening. Right. Well, now that now that you say that, I think that's the perfect cue to just bring up the first song. Absolutely, because this album starts off with it. They, they don't putz around here right off the beginning. Uh, pat, 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 let's go. And, <laughs> and, and let me tell you, as, as far as being devoid of soul, I, when I hear this song, it just energizes me. It, I Absolutely. love, this is probably my favorite Devo song of all time. And I'm, it, it, it's so awesome that it's like right out of the gate. This is the first thing that they did it's almost like a bastardization of like misty mountain hop by led zeppelin mm. you know it's got that but it is it, it is mechanical yeah but it's not like pre-programmed it's just super tight it's energy yeah but it's controlled energy mm -hmm. it is it's energy with with um I don't know what the word is, but it, it he knew what he wanted. I say he, the main writer of the uh, of the song. I think this one is Bob Casal wrote this one. But uh, like you say, it starts right out of the gang. The four drumsticks, click, 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 and boom! Um, 
it, it's a great opening song. Absolutely great opening song. This was a great live song, too. If you go onto YouTube, there's lots of examples you can see of them doing the song, whether it was like on TV on Fridays, the old uh, sort of Saturday Night Live, this show called Fridays, and uh, or just like concert footage and stuff. They just had great choreography for this <laughs> song that really didn't seem to change over the years where they would be not moving at all and you would just get that and then all of a sudden they would move into a different formation into a different formation (laughs) and by the end they were doing their their you know sort of staggered hop up and down and trading off the yeah 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 just awesome Awesome, 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 awesome. Awesome, awesome. And well choreographed. And I don't know that their choreographer ever got credit. I don't know if, if it's something that they came up with with the band when they were putting all this together. <clears throat> or, I'm guessing um, it is. I'm guessing it's all stuff that they, that they thought up and, and came up with. They, they just strike me as, an, you know, sort of art school students who really didn't, really were just like almost too you know well let's form a band but they put so much thought into it that they just turned it into this uh, one of the ultimate concept bands of all Uh, time agreed ultimate concept band because i think they started and and that was it was also one of their strengths but to a lot of critics and to well not a lot but to some critics and to some music people they were taken as simply that a a trending little concept thing that would be you know here they are one little album it's all techno yay ha ha and we'll never hear from them again and then they fooled everybody and put out <laughs> one better album after another mm-hmm. after another it just got really good i think their sound changed a little bit even though it's obviously devo the sound itself got a little fuller yes uh, uh, as as um, by the time they got to whip it and freedom of choice album and some, it's a much fuller almost like the um i don't know how to describe it the bass even from the get-go the bass uh of, of um i think is it bob casal again or is he the bass guitar but whoever the bass guitar they are it's a driving incredible bass right from the beginning right on this first album but as they progress and get down the line in the next, uh, particularly the next two, three albums, when they really get the quote Devo sound, it's a full sound. It's right. It just they fills got up. They recording and much better at recording. And they re- which, refined their <clears throat> format, you know? Yeah. And we should talk a little bit about the, the, the actual recording of this first album, which is a little bit of an interesting uh, uh, story in that. Um, uh, both David Bowie and Brian Eno saw Devo before they had recorded. They saw them live, and both of them said, oh, I'm going to record these guys. I have to record these guys. And they were into this little competition, kind of, about who was going to record uh, their first album, the first Devo, Brian Eno or David Bowie. Um, and David Bowie... Uh, in the meantime, all this other stuff happened. Some time had passed, and and uh, Bowie started doing a movie. I've drawn a blank on the name of the movie right now, but uh, maybe the man who fell to earth. No, <clears throat> no, was, I think it was before that. that. 
Jigger or something. What was the name of that? Uh, I don't know. I've forgotten it. Uh, boys and girls, look it up on uh, Wikipedia. It's there. It's out there. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so he had to do the movie, and uh, uh, Devo chose Brian Eno to uh, produce this first album. And uh, um, David Bowie. Never a bad Boyd, choice, really. Never a bad choice. Never a bad choice. But uh, at that time, in 1977, when this was recorded, uh, David Bowie had the big name. Everybody knew even David Bowie at that point. He had been out since you know the er- late 60s, early 70s. He was big guy. He was starting to do movies. He had been producing. He put out some great albums, Ziggy Stardust, and on down the line. Um, but doing this movie, he kind of fell out of this. But he did produce three of the songs uh, – on this album, but the main production of this album, uh, was Brian Eno. And, uh, one quick little interesting thing is that, um, Devo, I, I, I say Devo, I think it was Casal again. And we talked earlier offline about how, uh, Bob Casal was kind of the, one of the driving forces. He and Mark Mothersbaugh were the two driving forces of Devo. <clears throat> but, uh, he didn't want Brian Eno's suggestions. So they got into this big argument because Brian Eno wanted to do more sound effects Mm -hmm. than what we hear on this, more of the digital stuff, the gunshots, the hand clapping, the, you know, more, more stuff that would sort of become standard with them later on. Yes, exactly. And, um, uh, I heard an interview. Well, anyway, Devo said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And they kept putting him down and pushing him out and taking him off to the, uh, which is one of the reasons why this doesn't sound, I think, as full a sound as they get later in their career. It's because they kept really sh- shutting down Brian Eno and saying, well, great idea, but we'll use the music part, but we don't want the hand clapping or we don't mm-hmm. want the whistle blowing or the, you know, the all that. Uh, I heard an interview with Bob Casal, or was it? I forget which one, but it was maybe four or five years ago, 2006 or so. I guess that was a little further than four or five years ago. But uh, he admitted then, he being Bob Casala, that he should have listened to Brian Eno more on the first recording. They would have developed their sound a little quicker because they eventually evolved into what Brian Eno wanted them to be on that first album. Uh. And that, that's not to cut down the first album. I still think this first album is is uh, is a remarkable piece of work for yeah, your I, first album. See, I always love primordial first albums by bands. You know, I'd rather them be a little spare and you yes. know hear them hear them build into their thing. And I and I imagine as time went on and they got taken more seriously, at least you know from a even from a financial view, viewpoint, they they got a little more money in the studio, so. Oh, absolutely. And the, and the remaining, this album was recorded in Germany. Uh, and, uh, um, even though they're from like Akron, Ohio, I think, mm-hmm. uh, uh, this album was actually recorded in Germany and, uh, the subsequent albums were recorded stateside. I think, I think one of them might've had some of the tracks recorded in England, but two, three, and four, I think we're all recorded here in the United States in California, Los Angeles. And so you had more money. You have a little better production. You probably had better microphones. Yeah, better equipment. Uh, yeah. You know, all of that stuff. Uh, and that's why we get a much more 
even though it's still edgy, it's still there. They're still devolving. They didn't like the term evolving, uh, but um, there's there's definitely a more punk rock edge to this this album. Yes, so. exactly, and that's one of the hard things in the beginning. It um, relies on the guitars a lot more than they did in the future. Yes, and that's why you know when people have told me before when we were talking about it that you know they put Devo in the same category almost as Flock of Seagulls or something as a as a techno band of that time period, and I never saw the Devo as a techno band i saw them as a guitar band with technical yes. stuff yes you know with with yeah it was all built into the shtick of it all you know Absolutely. they were almost sort of like a guitar band that's that's you know basically been brain damaged <laughs> speaking <laughs> yeah. of which on to the next song Rolling Stones you know, you, cover of Satisfaction. Yes. And that's amazing, isn't it? Oh, I love it. I love it. Scott Gardner and I used to watch the video to this as kids and laugh our asses <laughs> off at the baby with its with the fork in the toaster. Yeah. Doing the flippy so everybody's doing the flippy dance and then you see the baby doing the flippy dance, but he's got a fork in a toaster while he's doing it. <laughs> horrifying but just hilarious but hysterical yes yes well i wasn't a kid when this came out i was an adult i was working at a radio station and uh devo and uh uh actually somebody you and i talked about a little earlier um the b-52s was kind of my way on to the airwaves i got a job working at goe radio wgoe progressive rock and roll radio it was a little local AM daytime radio station, progressive rock. But in Richmond in those days, it was mostly southern rock and roll. So you had ZZ Top, Almond Brothers, Little Feet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And nobody in town, nobody in town was playing any of this. The closest they came to anything new wave or punk was probably a Davey Bo- uh, David Bowie song. And... Uh, this stuff was coming out, and I was getting into it, and we weren't playing it on the air, and I thought... So I went to the program director, and I said, you know, we really should do something if we're going to keep calling ourselves a progressive radio station, uh, we which we were, yeah. but we needed to progress. And this music, this by 77, uh, this music was getting hot. This stuff was coming out, and it was just starting to pick up, but nobody was touching it in Richmond. So uh, they finally gave in. And it was by me putting together a set of about 20 minutes of music that included Devo, B-52s, The Clash, uh, Elvis Costello, and I think I may have put a, a, a police song in there just to kind of make it sound 
See, and the the masses will like it too. Yep, yep. And all of uh, those bands, by the way, are all good candidates for future episodes. Oh, absolutely. I think you know this period of time. Uh, you know, it's obvious you guys did Sergeant Pepper uh, on show number one, mm-hmm. which is a great start. And uh, the Beatles and the British invasion, of course, just changed music drastically. And then we get into this little this little lull or little thing where people are just building on the British invasion. And then this stuff happened. And you've got, like I mentioned here, Devo, Clash, uh, Ramones, Sex Pistols. Holy crap. Yeah, it's funny because it's sort of, there was a, um, and I always looked at Devo and the B-52s as sort of the next mutation of Americana. But it was, mm-hmm. but it was. Fu- it's funny that you mentioned that they recorded this album, that Devo recorded this album in Germany, because I think a lot of European influence came in too. You know, besides Britain, you know, with um, bands like Trio and, um, of course, um, um, what's her name who did Autobahn. Um, um. Um, I wanted to say Patty Smith, but it's um, no, no, the German band. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I am a. Oh God. I am the something with my pocket calculator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm drawing a blank on the name. Yeah, but anyway, I know the song. I'm hearing the song now. Mm-hmm. It's going to be. A, it's going <laughs> to be an earworm. Kraftwerk. Thanks. Kraftwerk. There you go. And and that sort of stuff, you know, the kraut, kraut, but that wasn't even kraut rock. That was like getting into the electro, and it all sort of mutated. I almost see is like the caveman version of that being maybe like um, um, Velvet Underground, you know, where right. it started to mutate, but it was that was still a little in the '60s, and maybe Iggy and the Stooges too. Well, Iggy and the Stooges and uh, and Lou Reed, of course, and who I mentioned, Patti Smith, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we we're starting to see this. And this is the the beautiful thing I think about this particular period of time, is that uh, the Beatles had broken up, but you still had all of the other bands who had come along in the late '60s and early '70s, kind of still doing their stuff with that Moody Blues and mm-hmm. uh, Pink Floyd, and you know, they were still progressing. They were still building on that um i think they were perceived as being kind of bloated at the time some of them were actually bloated but i think the perception of them was was that they were generally bloated well i think that's what made the whole new wave punk thing um so refreshing oh yeah because you had it all the way in almost every category uh you had your high-tech dance stuff like i mentioned with um you know, flock of seagulls and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you went to Billy Idol and you went to uh, uh, Romantic. So you had your high-produced rock and roll, but then you had stuff like this, Devo, which just said, no, no. I mean, There's yeah, try to dance different. to satisfaction. You could, and it would end up <laughs> like could. one of those movies where they show, that, you know, you'd have to be jerking around, though, to, yes. to do it. And well, I was I, in 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 the uh, late seventies, early eighties. I moved my little new wave show into the nightclubs and the dance clubs, and uh, we'd have hundreds of people waiting out line to get in to dance to this music, <laughs> to B fifty twos, to the to Devo, and um, you would think, well, nobody can dance to that stuff. And then I'm amazed uh, watching these young people out there. Um, 
you know, at the time I was young too, but <laughs> the, yeah, but uh, the hey, they danced to Pink Floyd, man. <laughs> they danced to anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So, this song, but, uh, you know, I have a theory about this song. And satisfaction? Yeah, it reminds me a little of like uh, the residents where they would take a song, a recognizable song, and sort of turn it inside out. But this one, yeah. I think, is very kind of faithful to the original, whereas in both of them are sort of like a wind-up toy. The original is just that guitar line. It's just everything, the guitar lines, the drums, all the instruments, just sort of, you could just, these days, you could have just played a bar of it and looped it, you know? It's just, yeah. bam, and there's, no, there's no guitar solos or or doodly doodles here. It just, like, is a sort of groove that goes straight through it. And so is this one. <laughs> it's just the same sort of thing going but it's jangled and addled it's great well, well they do this great thing of of um um it, it i agree i think it's a very truthful uh and true to the original like the uh, idea of the original the absolute idea he can't mm-hmm. get satisfaction he is frustrated he is there is a reason uh and but i think that keeping it within their very rigid time thing, but flowing at the same time. The lyric in this, the way he sings this song is just absolutely amazing. It is, um, I, I'd love to know how many takes they did on yes. this because it is, uh, so tight, so clean coming in on the four, on the third upbeat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, they literally are doing things that, in in traditional rock and roll, it's one, two, three, four, and they're doing it. Bum, bop, bum, bop, bop. They're inverse doing the inverse of they're, it, yeah, exactly. Without but making still, it into reggae or something, you know, no. it just turns in. Yeah, it turns into this yeah. thing, and it's funny watching people try to sing along with it or like drum along on their legs and stuff. It's yeah, they miss it. it. Confounds they can't, they you, can't, yeah, 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 yeah. They can't hang with it. It's it's. Um, but it's one of those songs. Oh, and by the way, this song, and I guess most music, we should say, uh, is meant to be played really loud. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this music should be played loud. Uh, it's not the kind of stuff, well, it is. You can have it in the background and just kind of back there. But when, uh, uh, if you really want to listen to this music, you need to play it loud and you can hear exactly what they're doing. Um, they, they, just amazing. Just amazing. All right. This may be this may be my favorite Your cover favorite. of of Satisfaction. It's definitely my favorite cover of Satisfaction. I don't know if it's my favorite Stones cover. I'd have to do some research into that, but yeah, I, I'd have I to would do some have loved too. to have seen like Keith Richards or Mick Jagger's face the first time they, they heard, heard this, this. You know, when somebody's just say, <laughs> "Yeah, hey, Mick, you've got to hear this." <laughs> Yeah, they I probably think, loved it. I would hope so. I would hope so because it it really is true to the original. It would have been really funny to see like Keith Richards in a heroin days and someone playing this for him and just like, what this is going? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure he would have thought it was real. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on, though, we got the third song here: "Praying Hands."
never let your left hand know what the right hand's doing. See, I think these first three songs are like so... Just such a perfect boom beginning to an album. They're, they're, they, they, they give you a little bit of all the elements of Devo. This one's fun. This one's kind of obscene and blasphemous at the same time, but it, it, at the same time, it's like really fun and upbeat. <laughs> well, I think that was one of the beauties of, of Devo was be able to do exactly that. Have their lyrics be morose, be mm-hmm. be be the end of the world, calling saying people you're stupid, the world's blowing up around yep. you, you don't even know it. And being wake up delivered but in then, an upbeat deadpan Exactly all the time. And I think the best version or the bet not the best, but one of the thing one of the songs they did uh uh, coming down the road after this album that I think really epitomizes that attitude uh, is the song It's a Beautiful World. Yes. Where it's a beautiful melody. It's such a terrific little song and he's talking about it's a beautiful world with people and then and then and all this beautiful stuff. It's a beautiful world for you but not for me. Yeah. For oh, you. Just, yeah. <laughs> but it's great. Yeah, it's just... and. That's what we get on this album in its early raw form with this song, with Jocko Homo, with, well, which we'll get to in a few minutes. And I mean, just, it's hard not to get kind of a little excited uh, when you're trying to do stuff like this and talk about this kind of an album because it's just in the background. And so many people now know Whip It and, yeah. and all their other, you know, their top 40 stuff. I mean, you even hear some of their. Uh, there are riffs now behind credit card commercials, for God's sake. There was a car commercial that had Uncontrollable Urge in it. Really? Yeah. Recent, recently or back? Back. In... Well, it was in the last decade. It's hard mm. to tell as I get older, but it was in the <laughs> yeah. recent past. Yeah. yeah, welcome to my world. <laughs> recent, recent past. It, was, yeah. it wasn't as long ago as the... Um, Sex pistols being used in a TV ad. Ah, uh, right. And, but uh, it was within the same time period. But yeah, that was that was a very. Uh, it, it, I have a friend who seems to pick stuff out of the, you know, the collective unconscious, and she gave me a mixtape. Like my, this was my last official mix, like on a cassette. Wow. Mixtape. And it was, it was, she gave it to me in the age of CDs, but she was making everybody mixtapes. And the first song on it was Uncontrollable Urge. And I was just like, oh, geez, I love that. I forgot I love this song so much. And then like a month later, I saw the ad on TV and I'm like, how did she know this song was coming back? <laughs> well, I was, I was actually surprised when you and I talked a couple days ago and, about doing this with this album. I thought, well, you know, I haven't listened to the whole thing. Uh, I've only put a f- couple of tracks of it on on the iPod. And Uncontrollable Urge was not one of the songs that I had on the iPod. So when I put this on, and uh, it just started right off with that click, click, click. Boom, 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 and, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why isn't, this, yeah. Why isn't this part of my regular rotation? <laughs> my daily you know? regimen, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I should be listening to Devo every day, but... Uh, uh, oh, you know, we didn't talk about the cover. Do we have time to talk about the cover in the middle of this? Sure. Dun, 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 dun. Um, you know, it's got that the, the cover of this album of uh, Are We Not Men. Um, 
was originally a picture of Chichi Rodriguez, the golfer. And uh, he was a famous golfer in the 70s. And uh, uh, then somebody said, well, wait a minute, we need to get his permission if we're going to put this on the album. And in the meantime, uh, they couldn't find him. They couldn't get in touch with him. So they got in touch with an artist. And, uh, and this was pre-Photoshop days, ladies and gentlemen. This was with real art. And the guy uh, airbrushed and, and took like five or six famous people, Kennedy and I don't know who else, but a bunch of really famous people and uh, airbrushed them all together over top of the original. And then by the, just before release time, they finally got in touch with Chichi Rodriguez and he said, yes, I'll do it. Uh, but then it was too late and they, they just went ahead and shipped this one, um, which now has a good backstory that those are, you know, uh, a combination airbrush artists put together of about eight or nine different people, including Chichi Rodriguez and members of Devo and famous people like Kennedy and whoever else was around in those days. Well, it comes so. out looking very, um, if anybody's familiar with the Church of the Subgenius, uh, Bob Dobbs, like, uh. and... The hmm. members of Devo do have connections to the Church of the Subgenius, so probably after this album came out, that probably the Church of the Subgenius was like, "Hey, <laughs> hey, let's yeah. go see nice graphic." Guys. <laughs> they definitely were definitely Subgenius people seem to be big fans of of Devo. So, um, interesting. All right, so on to the next song, Space Junk. This is the first song, not that it's a bad song, I think this is the first kind of fillery song in it. Yeah, the first one to take a breath. Yeah, it's it's definitely not, it, not that Devo, you know, Devo is playing the whole, like, we're de-evolved, so all their lyrics are very primitive, and, but, you, I mean, you just can't, they, they cannot make themselves st- sound stupid even when they try to so like uncontrollable urge satisfaction and praying hands you could still pull something out of a space junk sort of sounds like they just wrote a song about skylab falling you know right. sort of you know hey you know here's a here's a story but it it this this song is the one that reminds me most musically of like the b52s mm-hmm. it's got a little of that like sort of Americana rock and roll, and then it kind of rocks out at the end. You know, it's got the guitar is actually doing like rock and roll guitar soloy stuff at the end. Yeah, I think it really builds well. I think it yeah. it, it, it starts almost like a traditional, um, almost stairway to heaven type. Mm-hmm. You know, just a down 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 down. Just a traditional. The chord structure uh, is a little different, but it 
the the feeling you get is oh it's a traditional rock tune it starts off with down 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 and builds to a really nice um guitar lick at the end yeah um, you know but it is more traditional it's not you know it it isn't on the edge like some of the others but moving on again now we mm. get to mongoloid Mongoloid. What, Mongoloid. One of my, another oh my one God. of my favorite, favorite Devo songs. Got to fight with my band over this song. Was not able to do a cover of this <clears throat> this song in my band because one member found this this song too offensive. Really? Yep. Because well, there was somebody in their family with uh, Down syndrome. Oh, well. And. Um, yeah. I I went to I went to bat for the song saying, this song is saying, it's superior <laughs> to have yes. an extra chromosome. <laughs> yes, exactly. Saying, this person, as a matter of fact, this person is is just like everybody else, and they can do just what everybody else does, but they're happier. <laughs> but they're happier, exactly. Yeah, this was to me. I thought this was one of the more in spite of the name and what people think, this is one of the more uplifting songs. It's a positive, you know, message here. Um, so, and and well, it was music also thing. it was also like fitting right. This is like one of the seminal Devo songs in message and delivery for Pete, Absolutely. where they're Absolutely. just saying, "Yeah, we're devolving, and it's a good thing." It was very. Kurt Vonnegut was saying stuff like this a lot lately. Like, if humanity's to survive, we've got to get dumb like birds again. <laughs> yeah. and musically I think just musically even if they were just going la 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 on the words this is a well put together song mm -hmm. and again it's driven by this bass mm -hmm. it's a good guitar band I keep saying that uh, that it's a good guitar band but uh, the bass drives this the, the bass is um, um well, it's, I think it's just a driving force. It really keeps them where they need to be, and it's not simple. None of the bass lines, in fact, the bass lines sound simple, but none of these bass lines in this, in this uh, album are your typical boom, 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 boom. They're all over the place, and it's, uh, it's technically um, 
at its best. These are really, really fine musicians that are playing this stuff. Mongoloid. Also, this kind of reminds me a little bit about this song, but uh, maybe the next one. Um, we mentioned earlier a band called Sparks, also from um, Akron, Ohio, also recorded uh, in Germany. But the song "This Town Ain't Big Enough for the Both of Us." Remember that song? I don't think I've I've heard that song. Ah, I have to play it for you. Get it to you. It is. Um, uh, you will hear some Devo in that, even though Sparks uh, came out probably four years earlier than Devo. Uh, I think 73, 74 or so. Uh, an album called Kimono My House. And the cover has two Japanese women in kimonos. And uh, Kimono My House. Great album, too. Sparks. <laughs> With an X, right? Is it? Yeah, uh, no, actually, S P A R K S. Okay. Yeah, Sparks, and um, um, has a has a Devo B fifty two sound on several of their songs. Uh, a little more theatrical, a little more, um, um, I almost said operatic, but that's not true. It's um, uh, it's very Devo actually, but more of the uh, probably a little more melodic than. Mm-hmm than the b-52s but uh still worth checking out still worth checking out name of the band is sparks all right on to the next one another one i consider seminal devo jaco homo Oh, this was this is it. This is which is like their theme song, basically. Yeah, yeah. And this is the one I put on that original. Uh, I put um, um, uncontrollable urge, satisfaction, and uh, Jocko Homo on that demo tape to get the the job and um, to convince them that new wave was something that needed to be played. This was just like a statement of purpose, statement of weirdness. Yes, a statement of insane musicianship because boy oh boy all the it's a multi-part it's very weird but it's not just somebody being weird they sculpted this out oh absolutely every phrase it's full of drama and (laughs) and it's funny before i even heard this song i heard the weird al version of it (laughs) he did on like i think it was polka's on long play yeah are we not men? We are Devo. Are we not men? D-E-V-O. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Weird Al. Um, this but, blew uh, my mind live. 
Oh, I was like, oh, they're doing song. the theme song, and I'm like, okay, this will be pretty funny. And then I was like, oh shit, I forgot how crazy yeah. this song is. You know, it gets into the whole, you know, into the whole march part of it. Uh, you yeah. know, oh, it's just... that middle section when it just thinks you're, you think it's just going to die, it's going to fade. What are they doing? It's sound effects, mm-hmm. and then, like you say, it marches you back into the. Oh, oh it's so so well put together. Um, and this was. This was part of their angriness too. This was part yes. of the, the Bob Casal saying, you know, um, uh, not only are we angry, we want you to be angry. Yeah. Or I think and, that was more like the or what's his name, Jerry. Oh yeah, so Gerald the, Casal, right? Oh yeah. Well, this, and and you know, I mean, it's definitely dissonant. Which, I mean. To me, so the, the the dissonance in this song, and a lot of a lot of musical dissonance, hits my happy spot, and, yeah, I, and I like it. Like a lot of people, like really crazy free, honking saxophone jazz and stuff, like right. that sort of thing. But to a, a lot of other people, like th- this song is pure noise, either noise pollution or somebody being goofy to try to get attention or something like that. Right. And I could see right. people just putting their hands over their ears and this and just being like, w- why? What the hell is, what the, why? Right. Well, I can see a lot of people doing that. Well, not a lot, but I can see people doing that just in Devo in general. In general, yeah. In general. But if they um, made it this far into the album, this was the one that could probably chase it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I remember when, uh, when I saw them live, uh, it was 1979 or 1980. I think it was part of the uh, Freedom of Choice tour. They had just released that album when I saw them live. But part of the thing that they did, um, and I didn't understand this until I read some stuff later, uh, that they wanted their audience to get edgy and angry and almost ready to riot before they even started to play. And uh, uh, that played out. I didn't know that. But when we went to see them... Th- in Richmond, there's a beautiful theater called the Mosque. In those days, it was called the Mosque. It's still here. It's a 35 seat, 3500 seat house. It's old. It's beautiful. Huge glass chandeliers, velvet seat cover. I mean, just gorgeous classic old ballroom. classic. It's where the it's where the Richmond Symphony plays. I mean, you know, it's just gorgeous acoustics. It's perfect. Well, Devo was going to play there in that concert, so we're there, and the place was packed. I mean, packs. Or like I say, 79 or 80, somewhere along there. And rumor started going through the place that Devo wasn't going to show up. And this was before any music had been played. The, the, the sounds, the people were still milling around. The lights were still up. Uh, and uh, rumor started going through the place that Devo wasn't there. They weren't going to play. They hadn't shown up. And then this huge video screen, the curtains pull apart, and there's this huge screen, movie screen, on the stage the lights go down and then they just started showing devo videos <laughs> whip it i mean all of their videos you know they just started showing them they showed about 25 30 minutes of devo videos and it was really loud i mean it was as if the band was playing loud or live and now all of a sudden people are starting to just get pissed uh-huh. and at first they thought it was cool oh yeah devo but you know 10 minutes the third video the fourth video, the fifth video comes up. People are starting. You can hear it. You can feel the tension. In those, day, in those days, you could actually smoke inside theaters, too. Mm-hmm. And the, the blue clouds were all over the place. I mean, the place was just smoke-filled. 
people were now starting to yell at the screen and then the music is really 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 loud but then you hear this bum 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 and the video starts to play but then it goes up the screen just goes up and there's Devo right behind them playing it live the place went absolutely nuts people are standing on the chairs they're pulling stuff out it was an amazing show and they played for about an hour i guess the show was about an hour and at that end of that show they could have done the old traditional throw down the microphone and walk off mm-hmm. we were spent i mean absolutely spent they left it on the stage but they got everybody so riled up so mad so believing that Devo's not going to show up. We're going to sit for an hour watching videos. And then, boom, there they were. And the, the, the roof just went off of the place. It was just an incredible show. There's still to this day one of the best shows. I, and I've seen hundreds, hundreds of live shows. And they're in the top ten easily of best shows I've ever seen was Devo. And I put that right up with, well, anybody. Hey, I'd say it's in my top ten, and I'm an old fart. I've seen a lot of music live. These guys really performed. You get your money worth. Mm-hmm. I was, um, I was insanely impressed. I, I expected a good show, <laughs> mind you. Right. I was like, this is right. going to be really fun. But that's what I figured. It would be a really fun presentation. And right. I'm like, these guys aren't getting any younger. You know, it's not going to be like the old days or whatever. But I was blown, not just by the musicianship, but by the showmanship and the the just general you know i mean now that they've been together for so long they're they've just become better and better musicians over the years and better players and boy oh boy yeah and yeah i put them right up there with like king crimson <laughs> oh yeah in my oh, list yeah. of favorite bands that Absolutely. i've seen live and they're a good band i think that's one of the things that people forget and we you mentioned you know you guys did uh Sergeant Pepper's on the last show in the Beatles, people forget because they were so good in the studio that they were good in the studio because they were a good band. Oh, when the oh the Beatles playing live, I'll take over any studio Beatles anytime, any day, anytime, any day. Yeah. Like those old the I I hear they just actually put out another set of the BBC recordings. Yeah, I've got like, those. I they're, gotta hunt those great. down. <laughs> they're, they're great. Uh, they got to be, because that's what it is. It's yeah. just them in the studio it's live. It's them playing live. Yeah, it's great. It's just, it's just incredible. You, you see, okay, I see why the crowds went wild. You know, they knew, yes. how, to, they knew yeah. how to work those songs. Even when they're just doing sort of the standards of the day, they yeah, knew absolutely. how to work them, you know, amazingly. And, yeah, that's what – yeah, when when – when I saw Devo, I was I thought I was going to see a presentation. I'm like, no, I'm seeing a working band. <laughs> You're seeing a working band. You're seeing a really good professional mm-hmm. working band. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things when uh, Beatles, real quick, sidetrack, when the, um, uh, the movie Let It Be came out, and they hadn't performed live for anybody in a long time. And here's the movie Let It Be. And you sit through two hours of torture <laughs> of thinking by this time, all right, Break up, for God's sakes. Get away from each other. You guys need to get away from each other. It's a ter- It was torture. Mm-hmm. But then they came out on the roof and played those last five or six songs as a band. And you go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
they don't need to break up. They need to play live more. The, yeah. If you haven't seen the rooftop concert in a long time, uh, YouTube now has it. Other places have it. You know, the entire rooftop concert. Holy shit. Amazing. That, yeah. Yeah. Because you do, you sit through literally two hours of this torturous mu- movie and then they come out and play these songs and you think, oh my God. And Devo is the same way. I, like you, I expected a fun show, but I didn't expect um, a high end professional working rock and roll band. And man, they just blew the roof off of this place. All right. Well, moving on to the next one, which is kind of, um, it's uh, too much paranoia. Which I think is another one of the fillery. Yeah. Ones. But I like what it says. I like what it says. It introduces the word ruptopack, which <laughs> yeah. you got to give it points just for that. Yeah, exactly. Th- yeah. This one, actually, speaking of King Crimson, this one sort of has a little King Crimson y guitar to it as it, as it starts starts up. This This one. I think suffers from a little bit, a little too close to the bone of its satire, you know, with the hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, McDonald's-y right. It dates reference. it a little bit. Yeah. I think it, it really dates it and puts it in, you know. And some of us old farts can laugh a little bit, or smile anyway. I didn't laugh, but I smiled. But uh, this one didn't make the cut on my, my iPod. But it's not, it's not a terrible song. It fits no. into the album fine. Um, but it isn't quite as out there as some of the others. Yeah, and I think gut, the next one, Gut Feeling, is sort of sort of similar to this one. It's kind of like one of the math ones for me. It reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of Mongoloid, the beginning of it. It has that same right. sort of bass beginning. I think it's sung really well. The singing on this song is is really fun. And on this one or gut feeling? Gut feeling. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I don't know what to think of uh, Comeback Johnny. 
That's one of David Bowie's productions. David Bowie produced that. Huh. And I'm with you. I'm not quite sure what to think of it either. It, it's got some, you know, traditional. It's sort of like it's sort of like maybe like um, an old. It's like maybe a parody of old Motown bad boy, you know, the girl singing right. about the bad boy song. Right. But just yes. in the Devo dumbed down language, maybe. Right. And that like little, it's a, it's a syntho riff, but it sounds like somebody whistling that sort of yeah. sort of riff that goes on in it. And I, I think it's almost like a, supposed to be their version of a tear, tear struck pubescent girl singing to her boyfriend <laughs> yeah yeah i think exactly that's exactly what it is i think this is devo's version of of um you know um leader uh, of the De- pack or something yeah dion and the belmont yeah and, you know <laughs> uh, you know the wanderer or something yeah yeah exactly that's that's the kind of feel you get and they even spelled johnny well they spelled johnny g-o-n-e-e yeah <laughs> <laughs> But it's got a decent little riff, least yeah. decent little, you know. Again, it's a decent song. It's not like you would go, you know, say, oh, this one stands out as a, it really screws the whole album. Nothing really screws this album. No, no. Well, this would be, this is like one of the, the there's weaker tracks on this, but they would be the standout tracks on a lesser New yes. Age, New Wave band's record. You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. And I think it's interesting that, in my opinion, uh, I think Bowie uh, produced three of the 11 songs on the original album. And uh, I I love David Bowie. I mean, he's way up on my little list of, you know, all-time favorites. But I think those are the three weakest songs on the album, if you had to actually rate them, you know, strong. I'm not saying they're weak songs, but compared to the other stuff, it's almost like David Bowie's uh, production of... The three songs he did um, sound almost traditional, almost um, normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm probably not phrasing that right, but and even at the time, you know, when again back in '78, when you're hearing this for the first time, and there was only the B-52s had this kind of a sound at all, and maybe a, like I said earlier, Sparks and a few other lesser-known bands. But nobody actually had this kind of sound, and nobody had, <clears throat> you know, the backing of a Brian Eno and his um, genius. But uh, it's almost like Bowie. I don't know. I, I haven't read enough to know. You know, is it was it Bowie that decided let's bring this down to a, a traditional level, or was it uh, one of the guys in the band that said no, we don't want to go that weird? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. But the three Bowie. And I think the last song in the album, Shrivel Up, is uh, is a Bowie production. Huh. Interesting. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I think it was really interesting, too. Why, why would they do that? Although one of the riffs, the opening guitar, sounded to me a little like... Um, um, oh, God, what was Bowie's... The album, not the Ziggy Stardust, the... Um, Yeah, man, it took me a while to remember. Um, now I can't even remember what it was that I found. Oh, Kraftwerk. <laughs> Kraftwerk. God. Anyway, I'll move it on to anyway. uh, Sloppy, I Saw My Baby Getting.
I like this one. It's kind of a fillery song, but man, it's obscene. Totally obscene. Without being obscene. Right, without having there's there's a there's a few moments in here that are in this in this album that are uh, seem kind of dirty dirty but without any bad language i don't think devo ever used any bad language no never i think never. they were pretty much technically g-rated <laughs> yeah technically <laughs> through. yeah right right and by doing it that way um, they gave radio stations an opportunity to actually play the music if they so wanted. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing lyrically that, you know, you would jump out. There were no F-bombs. There weren't, you know, talking about uh, twerking or whatever graphically. But it, but they're saying basically the same thing. It's, it's, a, it's a very, very dirty song. Yes, dirty, dirty. And you guys are going to have to listen to it to <laughs> yes. figure out what it is. Right. It's just another reason. This just another. Way. I'd 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 quote the lyrics, but it's. I'd rather get people to. <laughs> actually yeah, make listen. them listen yeah. to them. They should go out and listen to them. <laughs> it adds something when you're hearing this kind of a guitar thing going on with it. Well, that brings us to the the last album. Shrivel up. Another Bowie, another very, Bowie. Very Jerry angry sort of. It seems like a song just mocking the the repressed and anal retentive in the in the audience or wherever. Yeah, I think they were doing it for the record company. I think they were. I think to me, this song sounds. Now I'm putting my own uh, uh, thoughts on it and the time period and stuff. But um, they were having a hard time getting a record label to do anything with this. And um, to me, this sounds, that's what they're basically telling them. Basically, you don't get it. You know, you, you just don't get it. So screw you. And I could see how the, the um, lyrics of this could also be like how you're treated by record companies, too. Yeah. And that's why I've always thought of this uh, in those terms. Because um, uh, even people like Bowie and Brian Eno had to start their own record companies to even get their stuff out. Uh, there was no internet. You couldn't just say, hey, I think I'm going to release this and have a million people yeah. download it. You literally had to get somebody to produce it and press that stuff to vinyl to put it out. And uh, then you had to get radio stations and guys like me in a radio station to say, fellas, we need to be playing this stuff. And, Which uh, means you had to have a budget for drugs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Because it was one of the ways you got it played. Yeah. But uh, it was pretty an amazing time. Did you ever but, see uh, the Devo movie that Neil Young made? No. 
He made no. a he made a Devo movie. It's probably on YouTube. Oh, I need to see very mocking of other... record companies. Yeah, Neil Young was not particular fan, not a particularly big fan of record companies either. No, it just it just tickled me that Neil Young like directed a movie for Devo. It it, yeah. it didn't really surprise me knowing Neil Young. Right. But it's just a weird com. It's not a combination that most people would expect. No. But I wish I but could remember you, the name of it, but if you probably put Devo and Neil Young into yeah. YouTube, it'll probably spit it out back at you. Yeah. But that's somebody else that could be added to the to the list of uh, long play possibilities. Not necessarily his Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young stuff, but some of the Neil Young and... and There's uh, so much... Oh, oh my God, I, God. Couldn't, I couldn't... I wouldn't know where to start. I would probably yeah, want to start with, like, Harvest, maybe. Right. But then, that just leads to other things. I mean, it's oh, like with, well, with Scott Gardner and I have a whole, would have a whole probably could do a two hour, two hour episode just on Neil Young and the Shocking Pinks. Mm. That was one of Scott. our favorite albums from when we were kids. Cool. For some reason, I wouldn't have pictured Scott liking Neil Young. What happened with Scott and Neil Young was Scott Scott. Had an he had an eye and an ear in those days. I'm telling you, we were. I mean, we were in a cultural wasteland. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you're just not gonna pick up the new weird stuff. But Scott, like, was just like, dude. I saw this video for Neil Young with this guy Neil Young. It's called Wondering, and mm-hmm. it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. It we used to, and he bought the album just because we thought that song was so funny, and we started playing the album and liking it. And then, I think it was Trans. Someone gave Scott a copy of Trans. Mm, yeah. And it had the song T-Bone on it. Right. And that one tickled the hell out of us, too. And But, but before that, I was like, <laughs> like my parents used to play Harvest all the time and um, Decade and stuff like that. So I, I was also a fan of the more traditional folksy or just sort of 60s right. Neil Young stuff. But, well, uh, your parents, your parents uh, were of that yeah, generation. Yeah, my mother, my my dad didn't really listen to music. My mom was definitely Rolling Stones, Beatles. You know, I got Le- Beatles, Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin early on, yeah, just okay. out of our record, you know, the family record collection, and a lot of the softer end. You know, she was into the Linda Ronstadt, uh, Carol King, right type stuff. But uh, Scott also picked up on Red Hot Chili Peppers way before anybody else did. Really? Yeah, he saw a video for, he's like, I saw this band called Red Hot Chili Peppers, and those guys are freaks. He's like, they were flopping around like dead fish. It was great. (laughs) And uh, Thomas Dolby was another one. Where Weird science. Yeah, where we were just... Yeah, I I met Mr. Dolby. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he played here in town, and our radio station was part of the uh, promotional team. I, I met a lot of bands in those days. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, at least I'm told I've met a lot of them. We, after the shows, they were, well... we got to have a know. show just on that, swapping swap yeah. backstage stories. Yeah, because there was a lot of it. And when you work at a radio station in a small southern... Well, I consider Richmond a small southern town... But it's even smaller when you're talking about rock and roll because right. it's an underground. You know, you have to get 
It's got a good underground here. It's got a really good because it's a college town. See, so I was lucky enough to be in a college station when the whole explosion of the, the you know the newer like college music explosion right. happened. So I got to see all all the Pearl Jams and Soundgardens and stuff when they're coming to town and play the club because there would be a packet of tickets at, at the. We'd just come into the record station and be like. All right, who's playing tonight? And go out and see them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And plus, in those days, concerts were five, ten bucks a pop. You know, you could go and not for us yeah. even <laughs> five or ten yeah. bucks a pop would be killing us. <laughs> but, you know, at the radio station, yeah. it was like, oh, this I hear this band Fish is pretty good. We'll go see mm. them today. Well, that was pretty much how we would do it. We would either sponsor the shows and do the promotions with the record companies and they'd, you know, give a bunch of free tickets. And so, you know, I would see everybody from Kiss to Bob Seger. In fact, they played the same bill one night. It was Bob Seger. Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band, talk about off topic, uh, was the uh, front band, was the, the, uh, they played before Kiss. And I would I don't want know who, to play after Kiss anyway. <laughs> yeah, who I wouldn't want to play after Kiss either. But that night, Kiss didn't want to play after Bob Seger. Ooh, wow! He tore the place apart. The Coliseum was brand new, a ten thousand seat hall here in Richmond, a Coliseum, and uh, these were one of the first guys in. And Bob Seger, and we watched it from off stage, and uh, uh, from backstage. And Bob Seger walked up right after his show because when he first came out. There was some warm applause because the live Silver Bullet album had not been released. Mm-hmm. So uh, Turn the Page had not been released. So he was young, and but he just tore the place up. And when he first came out, people were very polite. Yay, who are you? We don't know. Where's mm-hmm. Kiss? But he did 45 minutes and then did a 15-minute encore. And Kiss waited 45 minutes before they came out after that. <laughs> They said Crying no, no, no. In the dressing room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll wait. We'll wait. I I, I saw the Smashing Pumpkins do a similar thing. To mm. they had not hit big yet, and they were the opening act on a triple bill of, um, them Pearl Jam and Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Pearl Jam wow. had not hit big yet either, and, yeah, they came out first, and just. The, the audience was drained. You know, the audience drained. was like, I don't know if I want to. And, and, no, and being like, who's this Pearl Jam band? We're going to have to watch them. And then knowing the Red Hot Chili Peppers are draining in themselves was just like, yeah. oh, my God. Mm. So I imagine there was a little bit of, of frustration and anger backstage at that concert, too. Oh, I'll bet. That sounds like a great show, though. My God. It was. Pearl Jam was horrible. Eddie better (laughs) overcompensated and broke his his ankle and and limped around for the whole show morosely. And the Chili Peppers were good, but they were definitely not at their peak. You know, it was as far as they were at their peak of popularity. But as far as a live show was, their live show had become just sort of, you know, uh, their live show. I saw them when they were, you know, wearing their, coming out naked with their dicks in, in socks <laughs> for their encore, yeah. and their show was a prime. It was like seeing the Butthole Surfers. It was a primal, um, possibly fear for your life. Maybe the police will come, mm. type of experience. You know. Yeah. Jeez. So, <laughs> and then it became a rock show. You know. So. 
Anyway, but yeah, we should do a whole show on that stuff. Oh, I'm in for that. That would be a great show to do, just <clears throat> talking about uh, literally the concerts, the music we've seen live. Because um, if you work in that situation in uh, at that time period, I guess at all time periods, I guess people in radio now get perks and they get to see a bunch of live stuff. Well, but- I w- I'm wondering what Scott Rifen's gotten to see in his... See, if we could get a group of us, like three or four of us, at least three... We can mm-hmm. just do a reenactment of Jaws where we're all in the in the, <laughs> in the orca, you know, comparing our scars. This one, blah, 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 backstage right. at Nine Inch Nails. Well, oh, that's nothing. Let me show you, blah, blah, blah. That would be a, a, a great yeah. show. We'll- I thought I was going to get crushed talking about just conservative concerts. I went to see Wings Over America Ooh. in 1976 in the Capitol Center, Washington, D.C., and it was arena seating, That's so there was just no... still sounds fantastic to me. <laughs> oh, God, it was incredible. But we made a mistake. Buddy and I, we got right down front. It was arena seating, right? So there was no chairs on the floor at all. So you just stood there, right? And there was no front man. There was nothing going on. Mm-hmm. Some people came out, played a little bit. But all of a sudden, the spotlight comes on. McCartney's sitting at the piano and just, um, I think he was playing rock show from uh, Venus and Mars mm-hmm. to start the show off. And all of a sudden, every, you know, 10,000 people were pushing towards the stage. And this buddy and I, I recorded it. I've got that on, on tape. I've actually got a recording of this show. And what you hear is me and my buddy up front getting crushed while McCartney's singing. You're hearing us saying, Let's get the fuck out of here! <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, we're gonna die! Let's get out of here! So that was amazing. All that's on tape, captured. So that was real. I got a whole concert. I should put that out. Bootleg McCartney Cap Center, 1976. <laughs> Call it. Let's get the fuck out of here. Let's get the fuck out of here. I thought we were gonna die, and it reminded me because I saw the Beatles in '65. And it reminded me of the same thing. I thought I was going to die, and I couldn't hear anything. I was 13 years so old, like the scared Red Hot to Chili death. Peppers of the Butthole Surfers, fearing for your life, but just fearing teenage girls life. crushing you. In that yes. <laughs> yes, that's what it was. Screaming, crying teenage girls, cops running everywhere. It was, I, I literally, at 13, thought, this is my first big rock concert and the last big rock concert. Oh, I don't geez. even remember the Beatles. I, I don't even remember them. You want to talk uh, about Craig? Your first concert as a Beat- your first big concert as the Beatles at thirteen. Mine at, at that age was Julian Lennon. Talk about no taking it down a few notches. <laughs> no kidding. I'd actually like to see Julian live. If if if, uh, if you um, find there's an old episode, our two true freak storyteller who is Pete Hesh. That the the crescendo of that story is is the Julian Lennon concert. We actually audio recreated. Oh, cool! <laughs> the, yeah, the okay, Julian Lennon at the Landmark Theater concert. If you ever care, <laughs> live that. You have a Landmark Theater as well. Yes, in Syracuse, New York. See, that's what they've named one of the theaters here now. It's Landmark. It's theater. a cl- one of those. It's like the one you described. Depot mm. plane. It's one of those classic, beautiful. With, you know, the, the curtains come open when yeah. sometimes they show movies they used to show movies there back in the day mm. but um anyway we should pro- anyway we should probably we're, we're hitting the one hour mark not bad not bad um 
who you knows know, think, what well who knows what you'll hear from us next time but you'll probably hear be hearing more new wave definitely probably another devo album down the line somewhere i'm sure there's a, a couple that we could deem worthy of uh absolutely absolutely playing absolutely you know, and I think, you know, one way to sum this up is, and I always look at this, you know, it's it's easy to pull out uh, two or three really good songs out of almost anybody's album. You know, even Katy Perry probably has one or two good songs out there somewhere. But, and no offense to any Katy Perry fans, please don't. But I think when you look back, to me, it's like, and, and because the name of the show now is Long Play, we're looking at an album. And I think the question is, not only in 1978, did the album stand up but here in 2014 does this album still hold up can you put this album on and listen to it in its entirety and not just go oh my god what a piece of crap or why did i ever like this or man why did they put that song on and i don't get that from this i would like to say for for the last couple of days uh i've been you know down in the devo hole so to speak and uh i've listened to this album from start to finish you know, four, five, six, seven times over the last couple of days, just, just to the album itself, and it holds up. I think the album itself holds up, and you don't feel like, other than the one or two songs we mentioned where they talk about, you know, the Big Mac or whatever. Um, most of it holds up. Yeah. It, you wouldn't, you wouldn't hear this and go, oh, 1977, so bad, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I there's really a little bit of filler in it, but the stuff that's not filler is just like classic seminal Devo and seminal New Wave music, too. It's Absolutely. just iconic. Iconic, exactly. For good and, reason. Uh, yeah, and I think I'm hoping what we'll do now is we get a bunch of people out there to go, you know, hey, you know, I haven't listened to Devo in a while. And uh, maybe the people who only know Whip It will realize that long before Whip It, this was just a really, really good, tight band. And uh, even though I think their sound overall, sound got a little better uh, uh, in the next three or four years. By 1980, I think uh, 1980 when Freedom Choice, or I think that's the one, it might have been, well, anyway. By 1980, their second or third album, they were hitting on all cylinders and, and they really, really were putting out some really good tunes. And uh, I'm glad I got a chance to see them live back then. Yeah, you lucky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's give and take. <laughs> That's what I, I, whenever I talk to like the kids I work with, they're like, you're lucky to see all those bands. I'm like, I was just there when they're happening. Go see bands right. now and in 20 years right. down the line, you're going to be able to say, I saw them in a club and... Yep. they suck and, <laughs> and that's the way to do it go see them in a club yep. go see if, if you can try to see as much music in as small yep. an arena as venue as possible you go check out those bands and and if you go check right. out enough of them pretty soon you'll be checking them out on MTV one day and going yeah I, yep. I, wrote, I was talking to the lead singer at the bar you know yep yep well Chris this has been a blast yes this was good. Uh, I hope we can do some more of these, get some more of these uh, music shows going. Um, and, oh, for uh, sure. Uh, I think it would be fun to get three or four of us together and do a little, you know, uh, little discussion stories. about whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we got lots of music to choose from. Lots of music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
uh, in all genres. 50 or 60 uh, years of rock and roll, the exactly, at least. exactly, and uh, get some heavy stuff going, some headbangers out there. Oh, that's definitely going to happen with we've we've with Luke Giaconetti, and we've been talking to some other people who like have the scar tissue on their foreheads from <laughs> banging of the head. Yeah, yeah. First time you ever in a mosh pit. I was already in my 30s before I realized what the hell they were. My my, the, within 10 seconds of a mosh pit, my glasses flew off my head. Jeez! <laughs> oh, and somebody caught them and put them right back on my face. It was amazing. So cool. Somebody was paying attention. Pit. It was a good mosh pit. It was a Ramones mosh pit. So there you go. Oh, a Ramones. My first mosh, mosh pit was wow. Ramones mosh pit. So there you go. There's a story into itself. Yeah. yeah. All right. Signing off. (laughs) (laughs) Good show. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the two true freaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing 
of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this. <laughs>